we're gonna, we're, I'm just gonna say it, we're launching a capital campaign. It's January, 2020. Um, and I'm really pumped about it. And it's, it has been, uh, it has been my, my, uh, fourth child, uh, for <laughs> yes. quite uh, a long has. time now. So, <laughs> all right, I got 20 minutes. Let's do this. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Beyond the Bulletin, America's favorite podcast. Brought to you by What the Burger. Just like you like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen, we are back, and you have been so bored at work, you've had nothing to do. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. No, there is a silent part every time I look at you. You have this. This look in your eye that's dying inside from all the no. all the new work you have to do. No, it's not new work. It's exciting work, and it's it is not. Um, it's not killing your soul. It's not killing my soul. No, it's really not. <laughs> it, it, like it's honestly, it is. It's kind of like becoming a parent for the first time, mm. right? You know that like exhaustion that you have when your firstborn is brought into the world, where it, but it's like a joyful exhaustion. That's what I have right now. Okay. Because okay. I feel like. Because you're birthing a capital campaign. Eh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's not going to be like every other no, sir. capital campaign no, that's sir. been birthed at this parish. So the cool thing about this capital campaign that has never happened before in the history of this parish uh, is that we are doing the whole campaign in house. Yeah. Now we have outside people that we're working with and printers and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But. We are not using a capital campaign company like we have in the past. Correct. Because yeah. we have your ginormous brain. Yeah, and I think it just came out of a lot of conversations um, in the past few years, especially in 2019, having dinner and coffee with different uh, parishioners and just talking to them outside the church of, you know, we we feel like we have a pretty good pulse on our community. Um, Luckily, the parishioners of St. Anthony are very honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Probably the most honest parishioners in the world. But we love that because we know where we stand with them um, and at, from the staff standpoint. And so we're launching the Horizon Capital Campaign this month. Um, it is a, it's going to be different also in the fact that it's a combined capital campaign. Yeah. And what that means is that we are trying to raise funds for projects on our campus that we've been trying to accomplish for the past few years while at the same time raising funds for the wider church needs um, in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. So some of those needs would be things like ongoing disaster relief from Hurricane Harvey, as well as rebuilding the disaster fund um, for the Archdiocese, which was completely depleted and wiped out during Harvey, because I think it was like 68 parishes in the diocese had catastrophic uh, damage to their campuses. And then some of the other elements of that, that combined part for the archdiocese also include like raising money for poor parishes so that they can do faith formation and youth ministry like yeah. um like we're able to do here we're very blessed with our program so just let me interrupt when yeah. we talk about a combined campaign the archdiocese is making it mandatory for all the parishes yeah to participate in their capital campaign yeah and then on top of that they have different flavors of campaign that we can do we chose the one that would enable us to build and there's a huge cost savings component in terms of all the little details that we don't need to worry about here. But there's elements of doing it now, whereas if we did a different style of campaign for the diocese, you're not allowed to build. You're not allowed yeah. to get loans out for years, several years. And so we we looked at this and the leadership team was like, we tried with our last campaign. 
especially with the multi-purpose building. That was such a big thing for so many people. And it's like, we want to pull this trigger now. But I can hear, Stephen, I can hear some groanings in the background. And the groanings are... It's not my stomach. It's not your stomach. It's our parishioners, some of our parishioners. And the, I think the first thing that some of our most devout parishioners will say is, "How? where do I know this money is going in the diocesan side? I get the building. I yeah. get the, the chapel and the multi-purpose building. That makes sense. We built yeah. a parking lot to support it. Um, we have all this stuff like ready to rock for those things. And we talked all about it the last campaign. But the diocesan side, some people would be like, well, I don't want to give money to fund, you know, like this recent controversy over um, Peter's Pence. People thought they were given to papal charities and only 5% goes to charities. It goes to run the Vatican state, right? Yeah. And so for us, the diocesan thing that you were just telling, it's there are very specific ministries. Yeah, and they're, they're outlined on the Archdiocesan website um, under the title of Ignite. So our combined capital campaign is Horizon. But the element of Horizon that goes to the Archdiocese is called Ignite. And Ignite um, has five campaign ca case elements that I started to describe before you so rudely interrupted me, <laughs> uh, um, which are Harvey Disaster Relief, rebuilding the disaster fund for the Archdiocese, um, the uh, taking seminary. care of uh, the seminary, rebuilding St. Mary's Seminary, uh, building an endowment for poor parishes to be able to do faith formation and youth ministry like we do here. And then also um, taking care of the inner city Catholic schools. Those are the five elements. They the, anything given to that can't go to anything else in the right. diocese. So you right. you can be confident and sure that that's what it's earmarked for legally. The diocese can't do anything else with that money. That's what you're giving towards. And we're kind of on the tail end of this. Yeah. That's the other thing. Stephen delayed this <laughs> as long as humanly yeah, possible. Yeah, I've pushed this out as as long as I could <laughs> because of knowing, you know, just some of the concerns and things going on in the church yeah. and, and in our parish that people are concerned about, um, you know, and, and coming out of another capital campaign. But the reality is, majority of the other parishes have now fulfilled their obligation and we're kind of one of the outliers that still we're like hasn't. literally the like <laughs> the last four parishes yeah. in the archdiocese yeah so the way it works is that they assess a goal for each parish yeah um just like dsf which is still ongoing and then they froze the amount for dsf for like five or six years so that's why our dsf goal hasn't changed Oh, bless uh, their hearts. Bless their hearts. Um, but uh, our, our goal is assessed at 2.6 million. 2.6. Um, so the archdiocese mm -hmm. thinks they can get 2.6 million out of our parishioners. Yes. In terms of overall giving over the past X amount and of that's, years. Right. That's It's based off of like your, your annual offertory giving and, of course, spreading out the burden across the archdiocese. So, yeah. um, you know. Uh, we carry the our share of the burden, but other parishes carry their share of the burden based on their congregations, the you know the part of the city that they yeah. live in, that sort of income thing. income demographics, all, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, is, is factored in. Um, and then they said, okay, so you can you can do a good faith effort, St. Anthony's, and you can just raise that two point six and be done with it. But if you do that, you can't do any other major advancement initiatives on your parish, you know, for like at least like five years, right? Yeah. So that would lock us in from even being able to approach and do something for another five years. And, oh, by the way, you now have to have 50% of the hand on cash before you can any, do any new builds because of Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. So by just doing that 2.6, we would basically be like hamstringing our, our campus for 
you know, potentially another decade yeah. before we could do any sort of real advancement, get new buildings open. Cause it's a long process to build. It doesn't just happen overnight. Money doesn't fall out of the sky, but also it takes, there's a long process of deciding, you know, how buildings are designed, what goes into them, all that sort of thing. And even more so when you work in a church, uh, because you, you really want to honor everyone's you know, gifts and make sure that you're being fiscally responsible and all that. So the cool thing thing about this is I don't want to get lost in the weeds of what we're doing. Um, and because there's going to be plenty, you, you good dear listeners are going to hear a lot about this stuff, but I'm the director of evangelization and I, my eyes glaze over when I look at Excel spreadsheets, all that good stuff. What I am most excited about is the ability to transform lives for the sake of the gospel, right? And it's not to say that we can't do that without a building. We have buildings right now. We're doing that right now. But the the reality of who we can serve and how we can serve expands the more we develop what we want to do. So the two major projects that we're looking at is building a 350-seat chapel and building this multi-purpose building. And the multi-purpose building is going to be so great. Cafeteria, youth room, a youth room that actually, you know, the youth can be in. That's yeah. very exciting. <laughs> Um, and the cafeteria is also what we would actually in, on the inside call a cafetorium, right? Because it can be used for other large events outside of school. Time. Yeah. And we're going to put a stage in there, a small stage, but a stage yeah. so that you can have things like overflow masses and it not feel like an empty gym. It can actually feel like a church space. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beautiful thing about all of this that I keep wanting to bring people back to when it comes to the capital campaign is how this forms us. As a people, I remember Deacon Mike Mims, God rest his soul. Um, he was a core member when I was a high school student here at St. Anthony's. He played in the salt band, all that stuff when I was in high school here at the parish. And then when I finished and was hired by Barbara after college to be um, youth minister, he was one of my biggest supporters. He was yeah. on the fan club. You know, he was there to help mentor me in different areas. When I came back in adult faith formation five years ago, um, the first day I was on the job, he came up to me and said, hey, what do you think we do? What do you think if we do a, an adult mission trip? And I said, yes. And so we launched Honduras. Mike Mims, Mike Mort, and I helped to put all that scaffolding in place that now Mike Mort has, um, with Franklin, run a beautiful mission trip. Um, I mean, just amazing. However, uh, he sat down with me. He said, why, why did you jump on board so quickly? And this is the second meeting that we had. I said, I want to do good for the global church. But secretly, Deacon Mims, I want the type of people who go on mission trips to be back at my church, to be pew sitters, to be volunteers, yeah. to be catechists. And see, this is this is the thing that I think people miss with stuff. Like, are we roll our eyes. Here comes the church asking for more money. But the idea is this is, like, even for me, where I give regularly to the church and different causes and individuals, it's a huge, it places a burden on us as parishioners to then say, Look at your finances, and and now it's time to, again, rethink, restructure, and how can you give for the sake of the church? Now, I'm not trying to say that just building a building, magically the kingdom's going to fall down upon the woodlands, but here's the deal. For me as it an helps. individual, <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps, but it is a call to generosity Right. that otherwise another year could go by, another two years could go by, and that demand is not being placed on me. So I'm looking at it from... Who is, like, the people that give, I want to see them as an evangelist on the other side of this campaign, people who are ready to give. 
people who are willing to give, people who are, you know, we have that great prayer to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds. Those are the types of people that campaigns like this form for a purpose. We don't, and this is the coolest thing about our capital campaign, we don't want just big ticket money things. Like part of this. We do want some of them. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. is <laughs> If we, you can. We don't want people giving who feel guilt tripped it into it. No. We want people giving because they see the joy connected with spreading the gospel. Absolutely. I, I, uh, it's been kind of an interesting journey for me in this role. You know, when I first started this job, people would ask me like, oh, is it uncomfortable for you to like ask people for money? And yeah, like absolutely it is. <laughs> but I, I came to realize through some mentors of mine who are some of the best fundraisers in the Catholic world that I've ever met. And I'm not going to tell you who they are because I don't want you to give to them. I want you to give to St. Anthony's. <laughs> uh, but they kind of made it very clear. Like if you don't ask, you are not allowing people to enter into your mission. Yeah, and if that sounds like a sales line, it's not. It's not because it's true. I have I have a podcast that shall go nameless, and <laughs> yes, it, it has, and we have a Patreon page, which is do not pitch it. I won't even at all say patreon.com. slash But it allows people <laughs> to individually give money. And we I had a person who for months emailed me, and her whole whole thing was set up Patreon so I can give you money because I don't want this to go away. And she would, just, that was yeah. one line over and over again. And when I did it, she pledged $20 a month for my stupid show, $20 a month. And the line, the first thing she said was, thank you for letting me give you money. And then you realize, wait a second, the giving of money is not, it, it can be a cold gesture. Right. Here, take my money. Stop bothering me. But it can also be a way for people who can't do what you do to participate in the mission of what you do. Yeah. And that's what's so important. One of the most transforming conversations that I've had since I've been the development director um, here at St. Anthony's was actually prepping for this campaign. And I had dinner with um, a nameless uh, family. And um, they were sharing with me over dinner, they were almost like on the verge of tears, sharing how um, they've been here since the beginning of the parish. And they were saying that like the first capital campaign at St. Anthony's, the first time that there was that ask for, for something beyond offertory, right? Because yeah. we still want people to give to offertory. That, that turns the, the lights on. But going that extra mile, making that sacrifice where it really makes you kind of sometimes like, oh, is this too much? Like they made that commitment in the first campaign and they said, we didn't, we didn't have, you know, any vision of what we were going to make in the future. We weren't really... Um, well off or anything like that but they said making that commitment transformed our relationship with Christ and that was what was the most impactful thing the buildings were great obviously and that you know and, and it's become their spiritual home but it was making that sacrifice that recognition that they weren't giving um, to count the cost they were giving back to God what already belonged to him in the first place because if we truly believe the gospel if we truly believe um, what we practice then all of this stuff, it belongs to God already. All of our blessings, our home, our family, you know, it's even our kids, like our kids are, are loaned to us as gifts from God and, and we're asked to, to steward them through life until they're adults um, and they can take care of themselves. Uh, it, it's the same thing with this church and with this community. We are um, only going to have a church that is, you know, quote unquote successful, if you want to use that term, but it, let me say vibrant if we are the stewards of it, if we are the ones that are taking ownership and saying, I'm going to give without counting the cost, I'm going to make a sacrifice um, that I feel a little bit, yep. you know, um, because so I want to be reminded. Yeah. Let's talk about the three P's of the capital campaign right now. Yeah. 
Um, we have a sermon series that's being um, homily series. Homily series. Actually, technically, it's a sermon because technically homily means it's a reflection directly on the readings, whereas a sermon might be a moral lesson that ah, okay it, i think it's still a homily because we're trying to we're trying to base it around the reading yeah, there's like one sentence for me to read. all right well just go on <laughs> i wrote the dang thing all right whatever <laughs> so we i um, edited it <laughs> <laughs> thank god uh we sat down with um father kingsley and and um father tom and we were talking about the direction that we wanted this to go and so the first weekend because the, the common problem is, as Catholics, we never hear about how to give money and right. how a Christian. What is a what is the biblical attitude towards money? That it's evil? No. That we should love it? No. Um, what is the biblical attitude towards money? Towards generosity, liberality as a virtue? Like what? What does all that mean? Well, as Catholics, we never hear a money talk until it is money giving time, until it's a capital campaign or, or yeah. what have you, and. Um, and so the idea is we want to get as far away from the guilt trip as possible. In fact, St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is very clear. He's making an appeal to the Corinthian church to send money to the poor church in, uh, I believe it's in Jerusalem. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you, I'm not commanding you to do this. I say this by way of recommendation because God loves a cheerful giver. If you've ever heard that phrase, God loves a cheerful giver. That it, it was in the context of essentially a money sermon of St. Paul to uh, the church in Corinth. And the thing that people miss is that Christian generosity is not supposed to look the same as American generosity. Right. Meaning, how do Americans give? They give because there's an emotional appeal. A tax write-off. A tax write-off. Which will and, still give you that. Yeah, which still works. But it's an emotional appeal, a tax write-off. You hear Sarah McLaughlin singing, in the arms of the angel. And you feel so bad seeing the flood victims, the hurricane victims, the this or that victims, the abused dogs, and you text this number and you donate and you're done. What we're trying to do is we are trying to create generous givers. Yeah. Right? And that is the difference. It's not just we want you to be generous towards St. Anthony's for this campaign. That's a component of it. But it has to be so much more if it's going to be Christian giving, joyful giving. God loves a joyful giver. God loves, that's what, the, why, why does God love a joyful giver? Because that's who God is. He, he gave his only son. Joyfully. Joyfully, because scripture says that um, he despised the shame of the cross, but embraced it for the sake of the joy that laid before him. And you think of like the shame of the cross, the terror, the, the, the pain. But there was a joy knowing that you could now come home to the Father through the death and resurrection of Christ. So all of that being said, I want generous parishioners, generous with their time, their time with the Lord, is more important than their time with me. And so the first emphasis is, will you be generous in your prayer? Yeah. That's so important. That's so important. The second emphasis, will you be generous in your time and participate? If you don't know enough about your faith, I hear Catholics say this all the time. I don't really know enough. I don't feel comfortable. Okay, great. Guess what? We have thousands of Bible studies, yeah. classes, uh, online. And it's never been easier because the internet, right? Yeah. You've got you've got form.org that we have a parish code for, which is now like the Catholic Netflix. Three nine lowercase a four nine seven <laughs> or seven nine four. We'll put that in the uh, yeah. And yeah. here's the beautiful thing: I just sat down with Jay and Christine Marlowe, our coordinator of elementary faith formation and sacraments, 
And we were talking about for those adults who don't know their faith to the point where they feel maybe intimidated to go to a class, we are going to build a whole bunch of audio and some video stuff to help you, oh dear listener, who maybe feel like, well, I don't, I, I don't know my way around scripture. I don't know it and well enough to go to a Bible study and feel like I know what the heck I'm doing. We are going to build that for you. But all that takes time, energy, and resources. But this is what we mean. We want to make it possible for you to participate. Yeah. We want to, if you don't know the faith, we're going to come alongside you and help you. If you do know the faith, guess what? Get out of the classroom and get behind, you know, uh, uh, the serving line at the food pantry. Come join St. Vincent de Paul. Like, there's so many wonderful opportunities. Be a catechist. Be a volunteer. But here, millennials, millennials, I'm talking to you. This is where the boomers put you to shame. They give mm -hmm. more. They give often but they also give their time mm -hmm. and they are consistent. They Millennials are. give their time and then text right before the event actually happens. It's, oh no, I got food poisoning. I don't feel well. I got a headache and then don't show up and you kill us with your terrible volunteering. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we mean by participate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the other exciting thing about this campaign is that um, while it would be easy to like look at the reality that we've done, you know, multiple capital campaigns in our parish's history, the other reality is we have a lot of new parishioners, even since our last capital campaign, and this is an opportunity for them to step up to the plate. Some of them were here, but they've gotten older now. You know, millennials so. are now, uh, you know, starting to reach their their late 30s, um, kind of getting to the good part of their career. I'm looking at you, Gomer. Um, <laughs> Oregon and, Trail generation. <laughs> um, but so this is an opportunity for them to kind of step up to the plate. And some of them who were here for the founding of the parish's children, yep. um, but to also step up in the same way that their parents, or their grandparents did um, and say, look at this incredible parish that we've been blessed with. It's my turn to steward it. Um, so there's, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, in the community for this to be just incredibly transformational. Are you... Were you ever a spoiled brat when you were little? Um, yeah, in some ways. I think it depends on the context. So I was a spoiled brat when I was little. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> it precedes <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I used to be so spoiled. I was the baby of the family. Uh -huh. I was the funniest, clearly the most handsome. I had a full beard at the age of six. It's weird. It was weird, but you know what? It, it was endearing. Um, <laughs> my mom would call me a spoiled brat all the time. Uh, it was rough, but uh, no, um, we, you realize that the reason why someone's a spoiled brat and I have a point, I'm going to a place. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. No, I'm with you. Is because you're entitled. Oh, right. For sure. Entitlement. So my mama called me a spoiled brat because it's like at Christmas time, I get a present and be like, well, that's not the big one that I really wanted. Or I only got 12 presents. You know, you, you say little comments like that. My kids say things like that every so often. I'm like, oh, you know how many hours of work that present cost me? Like. A fraction. It was all made in China. Um, but the idea is, if you want to combat one of the most disgusting behavioral traits in humanity, entitlement, there's only one way to do it. As Aristotle says, when you find you are given over to a certain vice, practice the opposite virtue. The vice of entitlement means you think everybody, including the world, owes you something. Right. What is generosity but the free gift of things to others and it breaks you of entitlement you want to get that's what i'm talking about i don't want entitled brats in the pew that's the quickest way to become a disengaged catholic yeah. at mass is approaching the altar or approaching mass and saying oh this is so boring i don't get anything out of it or whatever like 
that's not a sign of the liturgy necessarily or the priest or whoever that has to do with us sometimes. Yeah. Right. Um, because we can't approach mass. We can't approach the altar. We can't approach our faith thinking, what am I going to get out of it? Because that is what we do in every other aspect of American society and Western society. It has to be, I am here to participate fully. I am here to give fully of my prayer, of my time, of yes, even my treasure. Um, And so that is, it's just so true. Like some of the most joyful people sometimes um, in a Catholic church are also the ones who are like the widow's might that give, even if they're not a millionaire, right? But they still give what they have yeah. um, and they give it with their full heart. Yeah. And so uh, we we want to wrap up this introduction to the Horizon campaign where heaven meets earth. We want to wrap it up by focusing in particular on something that other capital campaigns don't focus on. And this is one of the main reasons why we didn't go with a company. The way you do it with a company in a typical campaign is you go out and you get your big donors first. You find out who who makes the most money, and you hit them up, and you hit them hard, and you hit them over and over again. And then when it's almost done, that's when the campaign goes public, and you try to get the leftover money. We want to do basically the opposite. Yeah. Um, we want everyone to participate. I know everyone says that, but my, my buddy does development fundraising for a Catholic um, priest organization called the Glen Mary Home Missioners. And he was telling me that people have no idea how powerful their giving is. People love $10,000 gifts, you know, or whatever. He said, but $10 gifts are just as important. Heck yeah, they are. And because people don't think they're important and because the organization that does the fundraising doesn't even talk to them, you know, you might be this person who, yeah, you can only donate $100 a year, but that $100 a year combined with other families giving $100 a year to this campaign becomes an avalanche or $20 a week yeah. right you skip a you skip a meal out uh once a week or you know if you're if you're a regular Starbucks goer I know Father Tom says this all the time but it's true if you go to Starbucks every day and you spend 5 bucks on a coffee because that's what an average grande vanilla skinny vanilla latte costs uh <laughs> I know that not because I am basic um, you are such a basic white girl but uh but yeah, that's that's four cups of coffee a week at Starbucks. You could give $20 a week to this campaign, and that would literally, if if a ton of parishioners did that, if majority of parishioners did that, we would probably um, exceed our goals, yeah. right? So it's it's all about full participation in a meaningful way yeah. from those that are going to be a part of it. Well, our goal is for everyone to participate, 100% participation. Now, me and my family, me and my wife, we already sat down, and we literally did this. We sat down with what we already give, what we give to focus missionaries in the parish. We still have to keep giving to the parish. Yeah. We still have to throw money into the offertory. Like, a lot of people don't think about that. Like and we still have our DSF goal. Yeah, the Diocesan Service Fund is annual mm-hmm. on top of the campaign, on top of the weekly money we give to keep the lights on, on top of the missionary societies that we support as a parish with Father Matthew and all that stuff. There are a lot of things that happen, but here's the deal. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. All of these missions overlap, but all of these missions are key. This is a campaign for everyone, right? Don't think what I'm saying is I want every penny you could possibly give. What we're saying is you have to figure out between you and God and your spouse and your spouse, if you're married, right? What constitutes giving cheerfully and how can you do that? 
But I do have to let you know, this is part of my moral formation side. Um, God loves a generous giver because that's what puts us in conformity to Christ. Cynicism is not a virtue. No. <laughs> and it is so easy to be cynical, especially this day and age, church scandal, all of that stuff, when we have this, you know, this dark cloud hanging over the church. But son of a gun, don't you want to be the silver lining? Yeah. Like this is part of the mission, becoming virtuous people. I'm off my soapbox. Well, and the other thing I'll say about that really quick, and then I want to, I do want to get into a few little practical things because okay. I think people are going to have questions. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, re reform and renewal in the church, it's going to happen at the parish level. Yeah. It's not going to happen in Rome. It's not going to happen at the diocesan level as much as it will at the parish it's level. It's always local communities. Yeah, it, just like anything, it always has to be grassroots and transformation. So supporting your local parish through these efforts is, I can't think of a better way um, to give and to see things take place in your own community. Um, you gotta take care of your own community first, and then out of that are born um, the abilities to go out and transform the world like people are doing in Honduras every year, uh, St. Anthony's Bread, all those sorts of things. So, all right, real quick, first weekend is pray. Second weekend is participate. Third weekend is going to be on, um, you know, making a pledge and being a pioneer in this in this legacy at St. Anthony's. Um, the components of the campaign, again, are those five uh, things that will go to the Ignite uh, efforts at the Archdiocese. And then our uh, goals are 350-seat chapel, multi-purpose building, and redoing Shelts Hall into a welcome center. And we really think that we can achieve those goals um, if everyone is committed. Now, a lot of people will say, you know, well, what happened during the last campaign? Um, where did that all go to? Well, that laid the foundation. The goal for the last campaign uh, was not reached. We reached about half of it. And we were able to do half the work, which some of it you can see, some of it you can't see. But that laid the foundation. All of the infrastructural work that had to be done on our campus is now done and set up so that we can raise these buildings, yeah. um, you know, and be done with it with this campaign. We did get the the St. Teresa Outreach Center out of the deal. Which, which was instrumental in Harvey. Huge. We yeah. could not, like a lot of people questioned, why are you going with that first? And then guess what? Six months after we dedicated it, Harvey hit and we yeah. became, you know, the huge distribution point for this part of the, of the, the city. So, um, so, you know, all the infrastructure work, it wasn't just for parking lot and all that sort of thing. Yeah. It was literally doing all of the, the work that was needed to, to raise these yeah, buildings. It's infrastructure. Yeah. Right. We everyone complains we don't have enough priests. Well, now we have uh, three priests who are here full time as pastor and pastoral associates. And we have a visiting priest who's staying here and we have a hospital ministry priest. And that's, yeah. He's full-time at our local Woodlands hospital. So when, and the only way we could do that is by expanding the rectory, which yeah. happened and then putting in the roads, we had to flip the football field. So we right. can't get a multi-purpose building without the roads. Can't get the roads without flipping the football field. Can't get the football field without cutting down so many trees. Yeah, well. <laughs> All of that being said, right. We also achieved something that very few parishes in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, nay, in the world have, which is 100% debt-free. Yeah. And we have money in the bank that was from that capital campaign. So that didn't yeah. So we didn't just blow all that money from the last capital campaign. We spent it wisely, yeah. and we're hanging on to it uh, to kind of have the seed money for this next campaign. So yeah. 2.6 to the Archdiocese. Um, the multi-purpose building and the shelter renovation is nine million, and then the chapel is four point five. So all in, 
uh, to complete everything is going to be about 16 million. Um, that being said, because we're debt free, we know that if we don't hit 16 million and we hit 10 million, we will be able to still build these buildings and service a debt as we did for the first 21 years of the parish just fine. We haven't been doing it this past year because we haven't had any debt because you guys are generous. Y'all are doing it. Y'all are yeah. doing the work. Yeah. So um, the Archdiocese Finance Office loves our parish. <laughs> they all came out and we were talking about all this stuff and they're like, we have every confidence in you guys. <laughs> and we're like, this is awesome. But, yeah. but, but truly, and that's not because they see us as, you know, they see us as carrying our weight. Yeah. And, and some parishes aren't able to do that sometimes. And so they don't, they know that they don't have to necessarily worry about us because we always, we always come through. And so thank you guys for that generosity. Um, generosity starts with the thank you and ends with the thank you. Um, we can't thank you guys enough, even before this capital campaign starts for what you've already done before we even, you know, pitch this to you in the, in the coming weeks yeah. and months. Um, so pray about it. Uh, if you need any information, reach out to me, um, Stephen Lenahan, the director of development, Stephen, um, when is the horizon campaign website in English going to go up? Um, it should be up. Hmm. I'm going to say by. Uh, we'll say by January 13th, it should Ooh, be up Monday, January 13th. Yeah. It's probably gonna be up before then, but I don't want to make a right. commitment and it's going to be really easy to find. It's just ap.church slash horizon. Mm. Um, it's a whole website that is connected through our main website. It's got information on each of the three buildings. Um, it's got information about, um, you know, FAQs. Is it going to have the artist renderings? Um, it might have the artist renderings. We do have people, artist renderings. People, people. I saw the artist renderings of Sheltz Hall. See, because if we have a multi-purpose building, then that means the school leaves Sheltz Hall and goes to the multi-purpose building for their cafeteria needs, which means Sheltz Hall becomes converted into a welcome center. Yep. So that that'll include Lord willing, if the money comes, right? That renovation will include, can we say it? Can we say the things? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to promise anything. Okay, how about this? How about this? Uh, 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 okay, if we get the money and everything works out. Nothing specific. Nothing specific. But let me just say this, people. Two stories, right? Now it's just one big room. But then we can make it into two stories, which for me means more classrooms. Yep, for adult faith. But there's also something magical mm -hmm. for young families. For young families yeah. that's indoors, especially during the yeah, summertime. You can say there's an indoor play area. There's an indoor play area in yeah. the summertime for people with little kids. Yeah. And it's going to be right next to an open seating area. Yeah. And imagine like every time you come to the church where you don't want to go into a classroom, but you want to sit and talk with maybe two, three, four, five people. Well, now we're going to have a space that you can go into and it's going to be amazing. And you don't even have to reserve some of it. You can just show up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. We'll no, see. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. It's very exciting. Artist renderings will be coming. Yeah. We're going to have more episodes. Yeah. We're going to have more episodes and we'll go through this. I'm excited to talk about this stuff. This is um, the Horizon Capital Campaign that's connected to the Ignite Campaign for the Archdiocese. This is our opportunity to leave a legacy. My mom and dad's name is on our founder's wall in the narthex show off that's their legacy they built what is currently here my and my family's legacy i'm putting down roots in the woodlands even though i live in conroe my legacy i want to see those buildings built for the glory of god and for the use of my children my daughter is nine she's two years away from starting youth ministry with um 
Anchor, the Anchor program. Yeah. How exciting is that? That she could have a facility that actually holds all the kids in that age group. Yeah. Domino Gloria. Deo gracias. De nada. The de, day, day, day. The king. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. All right. God bless y'all. This has been another Beyond the Bulletin. Da 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 da. da.